let's say we were actually to take off some and do okay. a record, right? And I'm like, yo, I need you to look a certain way. What would a certain way look like? Like, what, what do you have in mind? What would you A choose? little bit more Beyonce, a little less Macy Gray. This podcast has been brought to you by a 4 Eye production. And now, let's start the show. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back. Yeah. How you doing? How you feel? I'm a girl named Tiffany. And I am Courtney B. Courtney B what? Courtney B. Turk. Uh, <laughs> I thought Turner. you were going to say tired. No, Courtney B. Turk. That's what you do. When you're tired, you get turned to push through. You really have no other choice, do you? <laughs> None at all, because we got to get the job done. That's right. So, how was your weekend? Um, Weekend has been busy. Mm-hmm. A lot of errands. A lot of for different things um and i'm tired but i'm here so weekend is good how's yours good pretty good same um had to get my hair done because you know i'm gonna go take some <laughs> photos tomorrow had to get your hair did nails do everything, everything did, did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just getting ready for that um and then preparing for another week of work another week people are like when are you going to get some rest I have no idea. I say next Man. weekend, next weekend comes, and then I have a jam-packed schedule again. You just have to fit it in there where you can. Which is never. No. <laughs> so, last week, what did we discuss? We discussed the superpower that is blackness mm-hmm. and things that black people don't. Which black people really do, but they think that we don't. <laughs> we got a lot of good feedback from that, a lot of good shout-outs. That's actually been my favorite show so far. Mine too. Just because I had a lot of fun with you on that one. We had some people who disagreed that black people really don't like to get their hair wet. (laughs) I told you, it just depends on the circumstance. Exactly. But other than that, other than that, people just really enjoyed the content, what we had to say. Good. Um, And then, of course, a couple people hit us up as usual, just giving us a shout out about continuing on with the show. And actually, I have um, some friends who have a podcast called The Sucker Free Show. Shout out to The Sucker Free Show. Yep. Um, Jimmy Conway and Fresh gave us a shout out on their last uh, show, one of their shows for the new year. We just wanted to give you guys a shout out, tell you that you're doing a really good thing, that you got some good content mm-hmm. over there, and keep up the great work. We can't wait to work with them as well. And my name is Courtney B. Yes, he, <laughs> he was struggling with that for a few minutes. Was I was trying. like, it is Courtney B. So yes. you didn't butcher my name. You didn't mess it up. It is Courtney B, and thank you for the the shout-out, and we can't wait to see you guys and work with you in the future. Indeed. Additionally, we had a call to action last week. We wanted to find out from black men how they plan to support black women this year. We got a lot of good feedback from that, too. I did Mm -hmm. see on our Instagram. If you guys aren't following us, you should go follow us at um, Culture Shock Podcast on Instagram. Mm -hmm. But we did see um, a couple guys chime in, and and one indicated that he was going to be quiet and listen more. I'm, I'm probably paraphrasing. That is a, a great way to support black women. Instead of, you know, listening to respond, just listen to understand. Exactly. I feel like, you know, because communication is key. And without communication, you know, there are no relationships, whether it's personal, whether it's friendships, um, whether it's your coworkers. So just listening to understand and not listening to respond or to refute will help black women's a lot (laughs) (laughs) that is so true when i read it it really resonated with me because i just went well something that we're going to discuss today kind of triggered me um i notice a lot of times and i 
I don't go quietly into that good night. Like I'm always biting back and I'm mm-hmm. always fighting to be heard. As you should. But I'm around men a lot. And what I notice is that they cut me off or think that it's okay to cut me off when I'm trying to validate, um, you know, my stance or just making a good point. Or if I'm talking to someone else, they, I find that men think that it's okay to interject way more than women. Women will be patient. You know, they will mm-hmm. wait for their opportunity to speak. They will hear me out, but the men don't. That's what you call mansplaining. Right. They try to mansplain you away. Oh, exactly. And patronize you away or sweetie or, I mean, you know, I know you're a woman and, you know, you're emotional or, you know, I'm thinking about this from a man's perspective. Like They try to mansplain you away and invalidate your feelings, which... It's bullshit. Right. I don't. I don't <laughs> let it fly. The whole subject can change. I mean, if they interrupt me in a way that, you know, allows them the space to finish saying what they want to say to whomever they're talking to now, I let them finish. And then when they're done, I say, I realize what I had to say wasn't important to you, mm-hmm. but what I was saying was. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if the opportunity presents itself, um, then I I interject right back. Excuse me. I was talking, and whenever I'm done, then you can talk, you know. And so most of the time, they never even remember what they wanted to say in the first place because because it wasn't that important. But no, they just want to basically they just want to basically shut you up. And so a good way that I combat that is if someone is like, and the only reason why I know this works is because it was done to me and it pissed me off. So if somebody is interrupting me. I will just wait until you know they get to a stopping point, and then the next thing out of my mouth is, "Are you done?" Because then that right there lets you know I'm finna go in. And I just want to make sure that you're done because if not, I'm going to finish you. Exactly. And then uh, Stephen Gaither said something that was really important. And he talked about the importance of checking guys when women aren't around. Yes, that was one of the comments on the call to action Mm -hmm. post, right? Yes, that was really 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 awesome because that that's important right when you check men when you check brothers in front of us it's nice right but it's also like okay it, it looks like you did that because you had to but when mm-hmm. you check guys like in the locker room or at the barbershop when they're saying something that's extremely to offensive to women you know it might be uncomfortable um but you have to stop normalizing that culture yes and so checking them when we're not there is way more important than checking them when we are mm-hmm. it's kind of like deprogramming your mind right you know because i feel like just like with the whole and not to get on to agent orange because we are off of him at this point for now mm-hmm. but not to you know get back into that but just like the way he was talking in men or you know his supporters immediately explained that away as locker room talk but why is talking about sexual assault locker room talk why are you conditioned and programmed to think that that is ever okay because if he was speaking about your mom or your sister or your daughter or your niece that would be a huge problem so it's just really deprogramming yourself and Mm -hmm. then being able to recognize that and your brother's like hey you know I don't know if he was joking or not, but that was kind of creepy. Or you may not want to perpetuate that, or you may not want to say that because it could be taken out of context, and then boom, there you are in a bad spot. I think some people are so worried about being unpopular that they don't, you know, they kind of crawl back into a shell, even if they don't think that it's right themselves. Mm -hmm. 
But don't want to be the odd man out, exactly. so to speak. I mean, who does? But you know, sometimes it's necessary to change the culture. Mm-hmm. If you if you love us for real, exactly. Like Monique said. <laughs> <laughs> don't get on Monique. Like, Monique, let's go there. Let's move into our our good, bad, and indifferent. We did talk about Monique last week, but there has been so much commentary about her since then. Like even when I went to the salon, um, the person who was doing my hair yesterday was like, the first thing he said as soon as I sat down in the chair was like, (laughs) "So, what you think about Monique?" And you know, I had a lot to say, so I definitely went in. Um, But I heard a lot of different stances. Some people that I didn't think were going to support Monique do. And then I heard a lot of people who do support Tracy. And I think I might have touched on this last week, not support Monique. I um, support Tracy and I don't support Monique. Okay. To an extent. Okay. You extent. Go ahead. I'm a, Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll let you. I'm going to let you finish. Is that um, how you, you, about to, you about to Kanye me? I'll oh, let you finish, but. I was. Um, so, one thing um, that I just am having trouble kind of rationalizing in Monique's mind is for one there's a difference between you know your accolades and I'm going back to Nene accolades mm-hmm. accolades and your relevancy in this moment okay um number two the whole racial bias I feel like with Netflix is totally out of the water mm-hmm. um because you know as she always you know, goes back to Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle. I mean, they're black and they offered them 20 mil. Um, Ava DuVernay just signed a deal with Netflix for, um, not Ava DuVernay, um, Shonda Rhimes just mm-hmm. signed a deal with Netflix for $100 million, 25 mil a year, total, you know, creative freedom for, of her project. So there is the gender bias and the racial bias that's out of the, the water. Um, and two, I just feel like, there's a difference when you're addressing an issue of racial bias and gender bias for the greater good mm-hmm. as opposed to when it benefits you. Okay. Um, because I haven't heard Monique say anything about the other Me Too instances or, you know, anything like that. It's just solely because it's benefiting you. Mm-hmm. Not like this is a recurring thing for you. Okay. Um, lastly, last week we talked about Monique most certainly. I even feel like she deserved more than $500,000. Okay. I just don't like the way she went about it. Why not renegotiate? If you can't renegotiate, move on to something else. But when it relates to Dave Chappelle, I would like to really know if this $20 million deal encompassed all three of his network uh netflix comedy specials because if that's the case he got 20 million for three shows so it's not like he got 20 million for one show which is how she kept perpetuating that you know what we may i'm inclined to believe that it was 20 million for one show but we definitely need to do our research because i don't want to say anything that's wrong i think the issue that i have okay so some of the commentary that i heard this week was talking about how much greater the other um comedians were that Monique, which I personally disagree with. And then they were talking about how, well, like, the other people had shows. Lest we forget that Monique had a show, too. And it was extremely good. And then when you want to discuss, you know, people who have won an Oscar, yes, that Oscar was a while ago, but once you win an Oscar, I'm sorry, the other people who have won Academy Awards in the past are always able to use that as leverage. 
So I guess for me, I agree with you on, on several instances. Um, it's all about delivery, right? And it's about relationship building. Do I think you need to, um, you know, lay down your own personal values, even if they don't coincide with other individuals? No, but I do think it's about the way that you approach things. However, I'm looking at, because I'm one of those bigger picture Mm -hmm. all the time, which sometimes gets me into trouble or cuts me out of a lot of things, but... Big picture, I'm looking at it like at the end of the day, they thought she was good enough to work with, but not good enough to pay. And and I do have a problem with that, especially, um, I don't know, I just lost my train of thought. And that's okay. <laughs> you know, I and I do agree with that, but there's always a way to counter. And from her, out of her own mouth on Toya in the morning, basically the countering wasn't working. Yeah. And Netflix just said the numbers are way off. Yeah, so and I that's understand. It. And so then she brings up, well, what's Tiffany Haddish gonna get? Tiffany Haddish has got a million dollar deal with HBO. She's not hurting. Oh, that's the other. She's thing not I was hurting. Say so. So I'm like, what? And then she keeps going in on what's homegirl's name? See, I don't even remember her name. Uh, the white chick. What's the what's the comedian's <laughs> name? That's what I'm saying. Like, what's the girl's name? Oh. White chick comedian. Like. We don't find her funny. I don't know a thing she's in, but somebody likes that girl. What is her name? Stop it. I don't know. Oh, my gosh. I cannot think of her name. But I feel like Netflix's bottom line is how much money are you going to bring to me in this moment? And I don't feel like I don't feel like Monique really countered probably or her husband. I'm going to just put it out there. I don't feel like her husband countered because that's her manager the way that he should have because then Monique wouldn't be in this situation because, you know, it's just all about your delivery. It's all about the relationship building. Like you said, um, Octavia and Spen- Octavia Spencer and Jessica Chastain had a similar, you know, um, issue. Mm-hmm. And Octavia went to her and was like, I'm okay with doing this role, but I need more money. And then somebody was willing to help her negotiate the proper way. I don't feel like Monique and her husband do that. You don't think Monique did that in the very beginning no. of, of this scenario? No. I, I, because I she, I, she didn't jump straight into, um, well, we're going to boycott you. I think there was some discussion on the on the front end that said, hey, my peers are making this, which I think that Monique did the exact same thing that Amy Schumer did. That's her name. I'm like when, white chick. When Amy Schumer went terrible, to ask for more money, know. she just went to ask for more money. And I think in the beginning, Monique just went to ask for more money because she knew that she was worth more than $500,000. And you mentioned the gender um, thing and the racial bias being out. I'm telling you, sometimes people will do things to spite you. So if those contracts happen after the Monique situation, and I don't know, Mm -hmm. but if they did, sometimes people will do this to prove a point, to say, oh, no, it's not gender or it's not race when before... um, they did offer Wanda Sykes, a, they did lowball her. But now, of course, if they're going to offer women and black women money, they're not going to lowball them right now while they're in the spotlight. So I feel like sometimes people save their own behinds. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like when, like with the H&M situation or situations like it, when something offends us racially. And then they come out with this apology. And then the next thing they do is go hire somebody for diversity. It's like, oh, they're trying. Oh, but they had to. Mm-hmm. Because if the next thing they did was also racially offensive, 
So, if it is, if Netflix has some type of racial bias towards Monique, why are they still offering these other black people millions and millions of dollars? That's where my that's where my that's where my question is. Why, if it's racial bias, why is um, Shonda Rhimes getting all this money? Because why is Ava DuVernay getting all this money? Right. Why is Chris Rock? And and I'm not trying to be funny, but I didn't even watch Chris Rock's thing. Neither did I. But why, it's not. You know, it's not just that though. It is because she was blackballed before. Which has to do with what? The way that she acted. So, uh, I am, listen, from the very beginning, ding, 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 ding. from the very <laughs> beginning, I said I agree with you on that. But just like I said last week, if they are, if they think that she's good enough to work with, then you got to stop treating the woman like that. Either you want to work with her or you don't. And if you do, then you have to pay her accordingly. What you're not going to do is bring me into whatever situation. It doesn't even have to be like a, um, a Hollywood role. You can bring me in to work for your company and then tell me I'm going to be an executive mm -hmm. and then decide, oh, but I'm going to pay you what I pay um, the people who clean up at night. That's not right. Either you want to hire me and I was good enough to work for the company or I'm not and don't hire me. Well, see, and then too, and then I'm going to get off Monique because you we can good. talk about it. I know, me. right? But, and then she sat there on Sway in the morning and said that for this Christmas, all of those leading actors and actresses that were in that film accepted less than $1 million collectively. So you accepting a least amount of money is not a problem because you've done it. Right. And but you I had no problem doing it. It may be a when you know better, you do better because if everybody on the project is getting paid this amount and we're all agreeing to it, I mean, I might be more inclined to accept it. But if I know that you are getting a hundred million dollars for something and then they want to pay me 20 million for it, the exact same thing, then I'm going to have a problem. If they both pay us 20 million, then I'm like, but you honestly think together. Monique and Dave Chappelle are on the same level. Cause Dave Chappelle, now I love the Parkers, different. It's but different. Dave Chappelle's show it it changed. I never said. Like, like, I never said that not Monique. On I never level. said that Monique should get twenty million dollars. Or even everybody Monique, hates Chris. Monique never said that she should get twenty million dollars. On Sunday morning, she asked if Don't they you thought think? she she's a legend. No, they, she said, "Do you think I do you think I deserve twenty million? Okay. Well, Girl, I mean, no, you don't deserve twenty. I, just personally, I don't think she deserved twenty million. That's just I, I me. I just want people to get their money. Right. Pay, I pay want, the woman what she's worth, and it's not five hundred thousand dollars. That's right. the point. And my thing is, if they weren't willing to pay you, just like Wanda Sykes said, yeah, they tried to lowball me too, and I went on elsewhere and got the money that I deserve. That's fine for Wanda Sykes, but then see. If Wanda Sykes hadn't done that, and I'm not blaming her for doing it, but if Wanda Sykes hadn't done that, then maybe Monique wouldn't be making this argument because they would have decided to work with Monique or pay her a little bit more. If if somebody, and Wanda Sykes is not the first person, mm -hmm. first black person, first black woman that this has happened to. No, and it, so it's, it's happening every single day. It takes for somebody, It I think it's tough for even our community because it's Monique that's doing it. But if it had been somebody else, then I think we would have had a little more sympathy. If Wanda Sykes had spoken up a long time ago about this instead of it being on the heel of what Monique is saying, then it would have come to the forefront maybe a little while ago. Or maybe not. Maybe it's a big deal because it is Monique. Who knows? It's a big deal because she made it a big deal. But it's a conversation so much so that if I ever decided to work in the industry, 
and I won an Oscar and, you know, I was at that level, somebody would think twice about paying me, you know, lowballing me for a good work because a, a Monique scenario has come up in the past. But don't a lot of places lowball and you counter? Yes. But you I, can't, I, you, you, like, that's, that's just like if I was buying a house and they wanted to sell it, it I'm selling a house, right? I'm selling a house and, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I want $500,000. Uh-huh. And then you come at me with $100,000. And then I'm like, well, no, I make him do four ninety, and you come at me with one ten. After a while, it's like, look, you, we, we two, this not gonna work because obviously we are not seeing the same things. I'm about my bottom line. You want what you want. I don't see, I don't see this working. Okay. So, bye. Like, I mean, so it, it's you. I'm know. trying to understand, like, what's the problem with that? They don't. The bottom line is Monique is damage her reputation as being hard to work with as we keep seeing and it's not it's not even that if you're hard to work with or you have demands that's fine but why do you keep blasting it out like handle your business and do what you need to do so you're hard to work with and then i'm just gonna be be real this is a problem i have with the entertainment industry and especially with black folks just because you win an Oscar, it's it's child stars that won Oscars, and we don't never hear from them again. Halle Berry won an Oscar; she hasn't won one since. So, okay, you won an Oscar, and and to be honest, and I love Monique, and I think she did a really really good job, but you played an Oscar being an upset black mama, like it's it's not like you were Taraji P Henson and Benjamin Button. Okay, it's not like you totally transformed your like. I just don't. Uh, that's understood. I don't see it. So that's understood. That whole, I want to ask her, I want to ask her. What have you done since? The only reason I disagree with that part of the conversation is because people who are not black can win an Oscar. And and yes, there are some people that you never hear from again. But when you do hear from Oscar winners, mm-hmm. they get to raise the price because they won an Oscar. And if other people can do it, if, if people who are not black can do it, then black people can do it too. And I don't want anybody from my community to think that, you just need to be grateful for what you have been given. Now get somewhere and sit down. And I've been trying to figure out, like, maybe why I'm so passionate mm-hmm. about the the whole conversation. And it just dawned on me. So, like, I've worked a job where I was getting um, a new role, right? I was getting promoted, but I was going to work. The, my manager at the time was um, a black woman. She, I, I love this woman to death to this day. Um, but I was getting ready to move into a department with an older white gentleman Mm -hmm. and they loved me. I interviewed well. I mean, I interviewed extremely well. I knew they were going to offer me the job. I had already been at the company for about a year and a half at least. And I think they thought that I was just going to take the money that they were offering, but I knew I had been there long enough to know what the role entailed. And I countered a reasonable counter. And I think I was off that day that they called me and, you know, offered me the position. When I countered, the manager or the person that was going to be my manager basically told me that I was ungrateful and that they were rescinding the offer because I chose the counter. If I had been a white male, they would not have done that. But I was a young black female 
sweet, you know, I came in, had a positive attitude all the time. I looked like somebody who wouldn't bite back. And it was kind of like, you are ungrateful. Shame on you for asking for more money. I feel like that's different, though. Do you? you? In the context of who you are in that situation right? and who Monique is so with Monique, and in her situation. Because she goes on and on about this Oscar that she won for Precious. And she knew that it was only a $50,000 budget movie or what have you. And then when they needed her to come and promote for the movie, she wouldn't do it. But you knew they only had a $50,000 budget. This is this is a film they're trying to get into the theater. So the Oscar that you got, you wouldn't even have had it if they wouldn't have done the promo and got this movie going. But no, because y'all ain't paying me. Right, but we're talking what? about... But we're talking about... <laughs> now we're talking about what we're talking, happened. But we're talking about Monique's track record and her relevancy. And, and I'm going to just be honest. And then... If you want to go ahead, you know, give give the you're rest fine, of your, your your um input, you can. Sometimes it is racial bias. Sometimes it is gender bias. Sometimes it is, what have you done for me lately? And Monique hasn't done anything for anybody lately in the entertainment realm. Mm. She's she has no relevancy in this entertainment industry as we're sitting here right now it's not to say that she's not funny because i and you know i said it last week i love monique Mm -hmm. but it's all about what have you done for me lately what can you do for me and if i feel like i don't want to pay you that much because i don't know if you're going to be able to be like a chris rock and a dave Chappelle and an amy schumer and relate to, well, not not Amy Schumer, but Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock and bring in black viewers and white viewers. I don't know if I'm going to be able to recoup $10 million from a Monique special when I paid Dave Chappelle $20 million for three specials. So it just may be Netflix. If saying, that happened. If, if, if that that's happened, how it happened. It just may be them saying, okay, well, this is what we offering to you at this point. Okay. You. And that's, that's, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm with you. And that's I have other thoughts on Monique, but the fact is, you know, she's still getting dragged. <laughs> And, and that's one thing I don't like. Yeah, I don't like, like the Monique challenge. Like, just just leave Auntie Momo alone. Like, hopefully somebody else will offer us something without feeling like, well, if I offer you and it may not be up to your standing, you won't ask people to boycott me. Right. So, see, that's the position that she's in now. Right. But anyway. So, speaking <laughs> of people who got dragged, did you see Jay Holiday and the Beehive and all of those comments about um, your brother? I'm sorry. Yes, I heard about Jay Holiday. How you going to wake up out of the bed? You know, you put yourself to bed, and you done jumped up out the bed Don't and trying that. to talk nice. <laughs> First of all, Jay Holiday, number one, you are still salty about losing to Mary Lay Blige, the Grammys, back in 2009. But, I mean, suck it up, bro. Like, you lost. Number two, you sat there and said, you know, about their lyrics and your daughters can't listen. Man, you had a whole song, a whole sexually explicit song playing at two or three o'clock in the afternoon on the radio. Exactly, putting somebody to bed. About, um, who was he talking about? Beyonce, Cardi B, SZA. Yeah, I think those are some of the the names that he named. Like, so you basically have Carrie Hilson yourself. Like, there's no telling when we'll hear from you again. And it's so funny because the Beehive was not only stinging him Ooh, with bees, up. the Cardi B fans were putting red bottoms all over his comments. <laughs> I didn't see that. Yes, and then they were putting the scissors in there for scissors. Oh, yes. that's awesome. His comments were lit up. And then, you know, my mind just got to wondering about other, you know, 
entertainers that we no longer care about because they tried to come for Beyonce. Mm -hmm. And so I just took a peek over to Kid Rock's Instagram. He is still getting stung by the beehive. It was like, yes, I looked. It was either Thursday or Friday. And I looked in his comments and it was like 20 minutes ago. Bees. He is still getting stung. So... I would holiday. just get off of social media I'm if it was that you. bad. I used to love Kid Rock, too. No, he done. I yeah. was, at one point, he tried to, like, put a can of Raid up, a picture of a can of Raid. <laughs> that didn't that made it worse. He is still getting stung. And the picture was, like, from this month. so long this month. ago. He's still getting stung. That's awesome. No. I thought that was funny, too. Um, Oh, some good news. Well, it's good for me. I, like I always say, you guys get to decide whether you like the good, bad, and indifferent. <laughs> um, but Laverne Cox, so I saw that she was going to be Cosmetol's Cosmopolitan's first transgender um, individual on a cover. So she's going to be on the February Yay edition. And I think it's the, they're calling it the Say Yes to Love. It highlights LGBT issues um, in LGBTQ. the community. Yep, just in time for valentine's and so not only is she uh, transgender but also black mm-hmm. so shout out to laverne cox i love everything that i've seen her in i love her too did you see i don't know if it was lip sync battle or something she was on she did beyonce <gasps> yes and then beyonce came out is that the same one no that was for channing tatum oh beyonce dang came it out. are you sure yeah i'm gonna go back and look at it i could have sworn that it was with laverne cox it was with channing okay because channing like channing's wife had it won Cause they were competing against each other, and she did Genuine's Pony like he did in Magic. Mike. Oh yeah, she had it one. I'm like, there was nothing else he could do but bring Beyonce out. That's tough. And I he mean. had the lace front, he had the makeup. It was so good. It was so good. But then after Laverne Cox did that, <clears throat> excuse me, Beyonce tribute or lip sync battle or whatever it was. That's soon after that she was in the Ivy Park stuff. So Beyonce be watching. Yeah. Or somebody be watching. Listen, Beyonce, I hope you're listening. Right. <laughs> I hope you're listening, girl, because I love you or whatever. Or whatever. Or whatever. Um, What else happened this week? Oh, this touched my heart. Bill and Melinda Gates. So, I don't know if you saw this, but, you know, um, Nigeria is in debt mm-hmm. um, for their polio vaccines up to $76 million. And so, just to give you some context, about 30 years ago, there were about... 350,000 people annually who would get polio in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, that's not even a thing in the U.S. anymore. But it will be as long as people don't want to get vaccinated. <laughs> Whole nother story. We just, you talked about this already. Uh, listen. Um, but this past year, it, well, in 2017, only 12 people got it. So that's a huge jump um, from mm-hmm. what was going on 30, 29, 28, you know, during our lifetime. And so, when they calculated what the debt was going to be, it was approximately $76 million, and the Gates decided to allow their foundation to pay off that debt. Wow. So, that's not something that Nigeria had to worry about. So, I thought that was pretty awesome. Kudos to the Gate couple. That is awesome. The Gate couple. Um, the Gate couple. That is um, awesome. You know, I had, um, well, my uncle was actually affected by polio. Okay. And so, just, you know, when people act like, the things that we get vaccinated for for are so far removed and, and you know, that doesn't happen anymore. My uncle suffered from polio. He walked on crutches for um, his entire life. Um, but also not only was he on crutches, he was a graduate of Livingstone College. Mm-hmm. He um, pledged Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated while on crutches. Um, so, you know, that cause is near and dear to my heart because I just, you know, was affected by 
by that within my family. So I know that it's real and I know that vaccinations are important if we don't want to get polio and smallpox and measles, mumps, and rubella. That's my nurse coming out. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> I can appreciate that. Um, at least I know who to call when I have questions. Girl, I'm going to refer you to the urgent care. Don't do that. Listen, I tell people all the time, uh, consult with your doctor. Because, I, listen, I don't want to tell anybody anything wrong. Okay, I got And then you. it prevents them from going to the doctor. And then I get sued. Because people will try to sue you. I won't sue you. I'll just blame you every time you, <laughs> you look at me with a jacked up arm or something. I'll be like, Courtney. Be like, you, arm. Courtney, be wrong. Because yeah, you told the me the time. wrong thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, um, one thing that I do want to mention before we get deep into so our yeah. show content. Because okay. I know y'all is ready for it. Yes, I said is ready. Um, The world-renowned physician, well, he's not anymore, but Larry Nassar was sentenced this week to 175 years for over 30 years of sexually assaulting Michigan State students, um, athletes, as well as the USA um, gymnast team that he was supposed to be providing treatments for, what have you. Um, And I just, you know... It's just unbelievable to me that this went on for 30 years unchecked. And oh, if you, somebody knew because somebody always knows. Oh, they knew. And so now the Michigan State um, president has stepped down. The entire USA Gymnast Board right. has stepped down. And um, if you're not familiar with USA Gymnastics, which I don't know how you aren't, but um, two of you know the girls who actually um, spoke out against him were um, Gabby Douglas as well as Simone Bowles. So this is, um, you know... Recent, recent um, abusing young young people, Mm -hmm. and you know the the higher ups knew about it. There have been multiple um, cases filed, and um, you know grievances filed, and they did nothing about it. And this monster basically went on for thirty years molesting girls. They found all kind of child pornography on his computer, just six 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 stuff. So it's just good to see that um, a judge actually, um, threw out his plea. He wanted 25 to 40 years and she threw that out and was like, no, it's not enough. The real MVP, the real MVP. She was like, you will Mm -hmm. never see the outdoors of a prison again, which he doesn't, he doesn't deserve to, to be free. So 175 years drops Mike. Wow. (laughs) Drops Mike. So, you know, with all the stuff that's going on, I just think it's great that women are stepping up and even women in positions of power, like the judge, are stepping up and saying, no, you're not going to get away with this if, if I can help it. So, you know, big ups to all the women out there for standing up for themselves and taking down yet another bad. Exactly. And it's extremely unfortunate when you think about um, entrusting your children, because it does take a community, right? It does. Parents can't do it all. But then when you think about the fact that whether you send your child off to school or whether it's an extra never get my words right whenever it's time to record so ridiculous extracurricular activities i think it's the braces y'all um but whenever you send your kids off um you are entrusting the people that you're sending them with to take care of them Mm -hmm. you're not expecting them to to abuse them and, and i really believe that parents would be surprised at the number of children who are abused at the hands of People that they, they genuinely trust, not just in families, but also, you know, with extracurricular activities, it's extremely sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 very sad. And then it's also sad that some of these girls were actually telling their parents and their parents weren't believing them or telling Damn. other. Yeah, it was one girl who told wow. her parents, her parents didn't believe her. And just think of the the lasting 
mental and emotional and psychological effects this is going to have on these women you know for the rest of their lives and even how they relate to men or people other doctors you know how they may let their children participate in sports exactly. or do, you know it's just going to go you know it's it's going to stick with them for the rest of their lives which is why for the rest of his life he should be where he is going to be which is in prison so glad Bloop. Okay. okay moving right moving along. on uh. Uh, so many moving things. on. It, it. Okay, so I know um, <laughs> earlier at the start of the show, you guys kind of heard this this clip. I don't know if any of you watch, um, what's the show? Love and Hip Hop New York, Love which I really don't even watch anymore. Right. But um, one of the people on Love and Hip Hop now is Amara La Negra. Amara La Negra. Beautiful girl. Beautiful. And so you guys heard the scene with her, and, or part of it with her and um, Young Hollywood. And then it moves on into our discussion kind of moves on into um, what transpired later between her and the Breakfast Club or Charlemagne and um, Envy specifically. Mm -hmm. um, but I think so there was a lot um, when Ooh, she was on the show. So he much. was asking her about her afro, of course, saying a little more Beyonce and a little less Macy Gray. Mm -hmm. and, and he called her a Nutella queen. Exactly. That's so disrespectful. And then on Instagram, he was like, "What? I didn't think that was a bad thing. Everybody loves Nutella. No. Like, clown. Yeah, he knew For it real? was bad whenever he was saying it. I think he was just saying it to add character to the show. Shock or, or maybe maybe he is like that because a lot of people are like that. Um, but it was just so um, degrading, even down to the fact that he laughed at her whenever she was trying to, you know, stick up for herself, which is, you know, ego. It's an egotistical thing that's a totally different subject. Um but even Char Charlemagne continuously tried to invalidate her by saying, you know, um, oh, well, I think that's in the past. And well, she's literally trying to tell him about her experiences as an Afro-Latina Afro mm -hmm. trying to make it in America. And when I was watching it, and I've seen a bit of commentary from other people who's, who are basically saying the same thing I'm about to say, it really felt like, they were treating her the same way that white people mm -hmm. treat black people in America, and they did, they don't like it. But then she got on their show, and they treated her the exact same way. Which is the um, epitome of racism versus colorism. Right, right. Because that whole experience, now, I don't know what young Hollywood is, but he didn't look black, and he couldn't have been black talking to her that way. He definitely has um, African descent as well. <sighs> Well, then colorism, it, too. Exactly. Um, and I, I don't want this to be lost, either. Um, Jermaine Dupree was on the show not I long before that. I saw that clip that. and was saying that about Dondria. Yeah, and he was basically saying the same thing about um, black women and their experiences. Um, and he was talking about how Escape, they thought Escape was ugly mm -hmm. or called ug Escape ugly for over a decade or almost over a decade. It was because of their skin color and not necessarily because they were unattractive women. Um, and I always have this thing, but it was valid because he was saying it. Right. And then this girl gets on the show not long after that saying basically the same thing and they have a problem with it. And I always talk about how, you know, it takes men to validate a story. And I, I hate to use this as an example, but I'm going to use it because it's valid. Um, even like with people saying like, no, Beyonce was really cheated on. And then Beyonce came out with lemonade and she was like, no, I was really cheated on. And people were like, she's just trying to take y'all's money, blah, blah, right. blah. And then... The man came out and said, I cheated, cheated on, her, on her. And they're like, oh, 
oh, Jay-Z cheated on her. Why did it take for the man to come and validate the story? When she's been crowned on stage singing Resentment for how many years? Uh, you know. That's and I care and all of this here, that, and the third. Like, But once again, because it's a man saying it, it either validates it or invalidates it, which, which kind of perpetuates the, you know, the whole issue of colorism. A lot of times, you know, it is perpetuated, you know, not only with, you know, us as women, because we do it too, mm-hmm. um, but with with men and, and, and us women, you know, vying for the attention of men who um, over and over through music and, and videos mm-hmm. and TV basically pitch on women of color this European standard of beauty that we're never going to reach because we're not European, we're black, we're, we're of African descent. So that, that kind of played into it. And I think without realizing with him trying to, you know, go so hard to invalidate her, he basically threw in a lighter skinned example one, yeah. of, of a woman. So, yeah. and basically that's what she was like, you're just, you're making my point. Right. And it's so crazy that we decided to have the, co- we were saving the colorism conversation for this week specifically. Yes, we were. And then it becomes like such a relevant discussion at, at this point, a point in time. And so I just want to backtrack a little bit, kind of for those who aren't familiar with exactly what colorism is. I I feel like our listeners will have experienced this or have seen it before, Mm -hmm. but they may not know what it is by definition. So um, colorism is basically uh, the prejudice and discrimination against individuals with a dark skin tone by definition, typically among people of the same ethnic or racial group. And in the black community, um, when we do discuss colorism, it's twofold, right? Because we talk about it from the definition standpoint with dark-skinned women, but then we discuss it as a whole with dark skin versus light skin, and it's not just women. It's, you know, men, men girls, and, and children. Um, I think it's just a little, it goes a little more in-depth with uh, women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it does, and, you know, but with anything in, you know, black culture in America, you know, there, there are different underlying circumstances in other countries, but any... Any of the countries that were, you know, affected by the transatlantic slave trade or what have you, you know, it's this plantation mentality that has been passed down through the generations, you know, um, through, um, you know, rape or through just, you know, free people that were maybe in different parts of the world, you know, um, dating biracially, having biracial children or or rape, you know, um, with slaves and and owners or, or other you know, people who own indentured servants, you know, we have this mixing of skin tones, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's always been perceived that, you know, the lighter slaves or the lighter individuals were in the house, you know, so that's where the word house nigga comes into play. And then the darker um, individuals were in the field. And so that's where you get the term field nigga. And it's just has perpetuated throughout time and and throughout you know our history as you know black people and i know that i've been in in situations where you know this is a personal experience where somebody has basically said to me you know oh well you know you light skinned you would have been in a house and it's just like well that doesn't mean that necessarily they were having it good like they were being raped they were being beat by not only exactly the the slave master but their wives because she was mad right you know raising other people's children and, and the darker slaves were subjected to that too so I mean, you know, it's just that whole mindset that, oh, you're lighter, so 
you didn't have any struggles or your, you know, it, it invalidated. Not to say that I don't recognize the privilege that comes okay. with having lighter skin because there is a privilege associated with that. Now, whether or not you choose to engage in that or mm-hmm. abuse that or, you know, let it give you some type of air about yourself, that's an individual thing. But there is that privilege that comes with having lighter skin, but I think it it really comes down to, to reprogramming and deprogramming how we see each other. That's true. Um, Dr. Yara Blay, I think her name is, who was on, uh, who is Black in America. I don't know if you remember when Soledad O'Brien did that mm-hmm. whole I went back and watched that. So good. Yeah, it had my nerves tore up, but I I went back and watched it. Um, But um, Dr. Yara, she kind of discusses like uh, race and how it impacts the access to the institutions in this country. Mm -hmm. Um, um, Especially like when you have your identity wrapped in like good hair or, you know, light skin. Um, But I know, especially in the black community, it's black families and friends in the community at large that really play a huge role in colorism. Mm -hmm. Much of it, I I really believe, is like like projected uh, self-deprecation, where like you have these experiences when you're growing up in the black community and maybe somebody called you a tar baby and so you're taking it out on a light-skinned person, calling Mm -hmm. them clear. I mean, I've literally heard that in my family before. Or, like, I can remember Y'all should standing, see my face. Right. No, I'm just playing. I'm, like, staying, <laughs> standing at the bus stop and, um, you know, somebody who I was growing up with, you know, they would call him Grease Monkey. You know, just just different stuff. And these are kids. Awful. Right. But they but, heard, but they heard but they somebody heard else say it. Somewhere. Um, so there's this notion that, um, I, I don't know, it's just a lot, like, all light-skinned girls are red bones when some light-skinned girls have yellow undertones and some brown-skinned girls have red red undertones or, like, mm-hmm. how if you're mixed, you can't stand up for the black community. People talk junk about, like, Colin Kaepernick and they don't understand why he's caping so hard and we're risking so much for the black community. But a lot of our legends, excuse me, a lot of our legends uh, are activists. A lot of our legendary activists are light-skinned. A lot. Um, and they have put a lot at risk, whether it's their lives. I mean, if you think about, like, Malcolm X, if you think about your Angela Davises, mm-hmm. if you think about, um, what's her name? She was also on, um, who's black in America? I don't know right now. Michael. Michael. Yeah. Michael. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Michael. Michaela Ma- Angela Davis. Michaela. <laughs> I, don't know I, I always, I always want to call her Michael Angela Davis. But, yeah, yeah I know Michaela. exactly what you're talking about. Also, um... Frederica Cleaver, um, Cle- who was, um, um, am I saying her, her name right? Frederica Eldridge Cleaver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Frederica Cleaver. That was married to Eldridge Cleaver in the in the um, Black Panther Party. Mm-hmm. Also, she was very very light. Um, but you know, um, with that, which is, it, I'm glad you said that because there is also this notion that lighter skin equates to being more sensitive, right? So that's just basically goes against everything that you were saying like lighter skin is more we're more softer and you know darker skin is more you know virile and masculine and strong because you know you can definitely see those um you know ties back to um the motherland but because like you see it with drake and steph curry right oh yeah you know you got a team full of light-skinned niggas and like it's this joke right but now if somebody light-skinned were to say that about somebody dark-skinned then it would be a problem when we shouldn't be doing that to each other, period. Right. You know, we, we shouldn't be, we're already marginalized. So right. we shouldn't be, That's my issue. you know, perpetuating 
divisiveness and division in a society or in a community that's already marginalized from the rest of the world. Right. And and to recognize exactly where it comes from and, you know, that it's a it's a point of it's a pain point for people. So of course, you know, it's gonna have us at odds, but then to for it to be so heavy, we take it outside of our community and then people are like, Y'all can't get along. Um, Michaela was discussing on the documentary, um, she was talking about how being light skinned does have its privileges just like you said though and she said um that she feels like she's perceived as non-aggressive you know that she sometimes like she won't straighten her hair she keeps it kinky or you'll see her in a um free mumia t-shirt or something like Mm -hmm. that because she wants people to know that she's black but she's perceived as non-aggressive so when she gets invited places she feels like she's coming into the room that she can sneak in and then bring in all of her blackness Mm -hmm. for people who don't look like her because the truth is i mean if you think about maybe your Nina Simone's and your Bobby Seals and stuff like that, um, who aren't fair skinned, who weren't revered as much maybe in a, in life. I know people love quotation marks in the air, love Nina Simone now, but you know, mm-hmm. was she really revered um, when she was living? Not and at so, the time. Exactly. And so it's kind of this notion that, okay, um, well, I can come in and represent for people who are more mar- marginalized than me because... My skin is lighter. Exactly, and they don't see me as a threat, mm-hmm. which, I mean, it, it, it can be a fact, you know. Um, and then we have this thing with media. I was thinking when you were talking about slaves mm-hmm. and how slaves, like, where do we get that from? And sometimes I feel like it's from the movies that we've seen, mm-hmm. not necessarily from actual accounts. Um, but w- when you see a movie up until, what's the show that I love so much that, that went off? Um I can't say I loved it all that much if if I can't remember the name right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, no, it's got Journey Smollett in it. The Underground. Underground. I loved that show. Now, and that's what that Netflix was, needs to pick up. Exactly. That was more of an accurate depiction of how things um, would go from time to time. But before that, when I saw slave movies, you see lighter-skinned people being treated fair. And so, you know. Or like Queen. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So if that's perpetuated on television, if that's the image, because we talk about image a lot on this show. Then, of course, then that's what we're going to think. I, I thought about some of the songs that we listen to. Mm-hmm. And, like, even down to Lil Wayne, who, um, you know, has lines in his song about needing a red bone. Or, mm-hmm. um, what's his name? ASAP Rocky, who said that dark-skinned women shouldn't wear red lipstick. You know what? I was a huge ASAP Rocky fan. Mm-hmm. That right there pissed me off. Like, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. But that pissed me off. And then after that, he was on The Breakfast Club when the Black Lives Matter movement was was really, really picking up. And it was, you know, the the, um, instances of, well, the ones that we have seen on video, you know, they were of black men being gunned down. Right. You know, were all over the place. And they asked him, how did he feel about it? And the the thing that came out of his mouth was, well, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I've been in Paris. Like, I'm not even over here. And Charlamagne was like, nigga, you from New York. You know exactly what we're talking about. So he had been out of my book anyway, because that right there was ridiculous. Like, how can you say you don't know anything about this when you grew up in New York with Stop and Frisk and Central Park Five? And I mean, you know, crack epidemic, gun violence, but you don't know anything about. You don't have any feelings on the way that black men are treated by the police in this country because you're 
um, you know, you're a spokesperson for some, you know, French design house. Like, right. give me a damn break. So he been out of my, he been off my but list. But maybe that's just ASAP Rocky trying to play the game and knowing that if he said the wrong thing, then that would cut him out of having relationships with certain people. Some people care about that and some people don't. And maybe ASAP Rocky didn't have enough money yet to decide that it wasn't worth, you know. I, that's just my theory on it. Um, but it's problematic either way, mm-hmm. all the way around. Like, if you think about stuff that we love, you know, because we we're always going to have problematic faves, or at least for a long time. I had to look back at, like, Coming to America. I love that movie, right? But then think about how they treated Patrice versus the how, sister yes yeah she was dark skinned she was cute right but she was dark skinned she was seen as the one that wasn't as attractive which is why the guy both of the guys like daryl wanted to be with her sister wanted to be with lisa um and he only chose patrice after the fact and and it was more so oh in an over sexualized way like she was the poppy mouthy roll your neck mm-hmm. kind of girl or if you think about martin you know um pam's role on Martin and you know how much how much she was associated with looking like animals you know just stuff like that um and those aren't the only two instances where in tv we see this but it's just perpetuated over and over again yeah and you know another another thing that I saw as well that kind of had me thinking was even with the proud family ah I didn't even think about that you look at you know like Penny Proud you know, she's a little more lighter skinned and, you know, and then when you see her friends, what do her friends look like? Exactly. One of them That's is like dark, you know, dark skin tone mm-hmm. and loud and ghetto with the hair, mm-hmm. you know, you know, shorter hair, kinkier hair. So it's so subtle that it's even in cartoons and we don't even recognize it. Right. Or well, we do recognize it, but it's so embedded in our culture that we just keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Which um, is, is very detrimental. Um, to the progression of us, you know, as a whole. And just from a personal level, I never really thought about, you know, the light and the dark until after I got out into the world. Because, you know, I've mentioned this to you before. Nobody in my family is light-skinned besides me and my brother, Mm -hmm. um, other than my grandfather who was light-skinned, and then my great-grandmother who um, was albino. She had albinism. So, you know, my standard of beauty growing up was my mama Mm -hmm. and Whitney Houston. Until I fell in love with Janet Jackson. I was like, I just love her. Like, I want to be like Janet. But growing up, like, I thought my mom, who's brown, my grandmother is brown, my auntie is brown, my cousins are brown. I thought that that was beauty. Right. You know, it wasn't until coming in contact with, you know, influences from the outside that I realized, like, oh, like, this is a thing, like, oh, I'm light and you're brown, or I'm, right. you know, they're brown and you're dark brown. Like, it wasn't a thing in my household. Because of images. Right. Got it. Um, same. I mean, I'm not, I'm not fair-skinned, um, but I am, I come from a family of dark-skinned people on my mom's side. So my mom's, like, significantly darker than I am. My sister's, um, like, a shade in between us. And then all of my aunts, my grandfather was extremely dark, handsome, tall, um, young man <laughs> a handsome tall man and then like on my dad's side it's a little different there's a mixture um you know brown skin or whatever but um 
on that side of the family, I have family members who, you know, think it important that whenever, like, there's a mixed child in the family, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, white or Asian, like, that's the first thing that's highlighted. And it's spoke of, spoken of frequently. And it's kind of like, okay. But if you bring up colorism or what my family likes to call colorstruck. Yes, colorstruck. If, mm-hmm, if you bring that up as a topic of discussion, then it's a problem. It's like, well, no, you know, it's not like that when... It's always highlighted. So it then is. here from here, birth. Exactly. You know, like they look at oh, let me see the baby's ears, ears or exactly. around the nail bed. Oh, they're gonna get dark. Mm-hmm. Like it it oh, is that baby a gonna be dark. Yeah, yeah, because I mean from birth they're looking to see if they can see if this baby's gonna be light or dark. Right. So what aren't are we supposed to care about the health of the baby? So then my question to you, if you have any thoughts on it, is like why is colorism so taboo, you think? The 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 discussion of it in our community. Like, why do people get so offended when you call it out? Because a lot of people, their identity is rooted in that. Mm -hmm. You know, there are a lot of, you know, women who, you know, and I can say this because I'm light skinned. So Mm -hmm. any of y'all that try to come for me, I am fair skinned. So I can speak on light skinned stuff because Mm -hmm. I'm light skinned. Right. Um, And even if I wasn't, we should be able to. But see how I had to just give that disclaimer? Because it would be. An issue if I wasn't. Right. You see what I'm saying? But anyway, so I feel like some lighter-skinned women, they have may have been told that by boyfriends or parents. Oh, you're pretty. They you're do. light. You're, yeah. You know, you have curly hair. So their identity is rooted in I'm pretty that. and light. I've witnessed that. And you're that. not. And right. you're brown. So when you call out that privileged, whether they are acting on it, or whatnot, it really affects them because if they are not, if this is not their identity, then who are they? Right. That's why it's so taboo. Well, that I, I guess that's what makes it sad that your identity would be rooted in the color of your skin. And if you don't have that, then you don't have, or the, the tone of your the skin, tone. then you don't have anything else. I think it's extremely confusing for a lot of people. And I don't think that um, people have the emotional range to deal with the conversation a lot of times. So, or just like the self hate with, you know, and I'm gonna go there because okay. you know I'm speaking on everybody's stuff. We we talking about everybody's stuff. That's why it's called culture shock. That's right. Um, darker skinned men. You know, I feel like sometimes dark skinned men have have maybe not been treated nice when they were growing up. You know, like how you talked about the name calling mm-hmm. or being in school, middle school, high school, and all the girls chasing after lighter skinned dudes, and so. When they grow up and get to some type of esteem, it's like, okay, I'm not only going to get a light-skinned chick, I'm going to get a foreign chick, or I'm going to get a white chick. I was going to say that about having to have somebody that's foreign, the Trey Songz, what I call the Trey Songz syndrome. Right, you know, because it's an issue with themselves, just like with the Kodak Black thing. Everybody, and I'm not saying that he was right in what he said, Mm -hmm. and everybody was, you know, definitely 100% accurate in calling him out on his shit. But if you go back and listen to what Kodak Black said, not only did he say he preferred light-skinned women, he said, I don't like, I don't want nobody my color. What does that say about him? Right. That, that is that self-hate. Yeah. It ain't got nothing to do with these women. That's got everything to do with him not being confident and proud in his blackness. Yep. Yeah. That, that, that kind of angst, it, it comes like from historical pain, though. And, and we all know and love people who are, in our family who are, um, you know, Native Amer- mixed with Native American or Asian or, um, you know, are part European or even part French, you know, 
people who associate with being Creole and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so sometimes I think the difference is how, how it's approached, right? So there are some individuals who are proud of their heritage and that's okay. But then there are some individuals who try to disassociate themselves so much from the color or, or from being black that they offend other people in the process. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of that or where that tug of war kind of comes from when you walk into a room and it's like oh you, you know this this and that you're talking about color or you're talking about race and then it's kind of like oh yeah but I'm not when it comes from that place oh like God. I'm really you know I'm my grandmother is Cherokee or um you know we're, we're we're Creole I look like this but you know I'm Creole or it's like okay girl or okay dude but when the police see you you're black right so it's like well what is it about me and my complexion that makes you want to disassociate from it like does that mean you don't like what I look like Mm -hmm. and and that was a it was a good um quotable in that who is black in America by I think his name was Tim Wise he was Uh like a professor and he had wrote books and basically he was a he was a white man okay and that was one of the things that really stuck with me especially when it comes to the issue of being biracial and who you identify with. Right. And he basically said, who at the end of the day really determines if you're perceived as black? It's white people. Because when you right. go into, right. I don't care if, like say for instance, T and Tamara, mm-hmm. we know that they're half white. Right. But when the, when they walk into a room, when the majority of people see them, when the majority of this country white people mm-hmm. when they see t and tamara what do they see black girls until they're able to verbalize and say oh i have xyz parent right so that's where it boils down to i can identify with whatever ethnicity i want but when the general population sees me without me opening my mouth what am i being perceived as exactly and that's not nothing you can't you can't change it. You can't change your skin color. Now, that's true. But do you know that it doesn't work that way everywhere? Like in Puerto Rico, they have a law called um, Regla del Regla del Sacar. Mm-hmm. Something like you that. You better get that Rosetta Stone. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> she got a Rosetta Stone, y'all. Don't be fooled. Don't treat She's using like it that. right now. She's looking at her computer. I promise I'm not. <laughs> and excuse the um, the pronunciation. I had a that glass of wine. You rolled your R in it. Yeah, I'm a tongue roller. Okay. Yeah, that, I, th- I I learned that in um in elementary school when mm-hmm. it talks about like parents and alleles and you know what you would get from this parent versus what you would get from that parent and they tested all the kids like can you roll your R's and I think I got it from like my dad or something like okay. that. But anyway, that's a whole nother story. Um, but yeah, so okay in America, right? One the it's the one drop rule. Where, like, if you have a drop of black blood in you, then you're black. Which, who who came up with that? Exactly. White people. And we still do it. Right. Specifically for, you know, financial purposes. Mm -hmm. Um, And census purposes. Exactly. That way they can say, you know. And then it just goes back to the whole notion that, because when you think about it, if you have something like, you know, that's nice and pure, and you put one drop in it, it's contaminated, right? Right, contaminated. Mm -hmm. Right. So that just shows the mindset of what black folks were dealing with then and what we're still dealing with now because, you know, that's what I was always taught. Like, right. one drop, you black. Right. Me too. One drop. But now in Puerto but, Rico, because of this law, like, if you can 
prove that within four generations of your life, so uh, not your parent, not your grandparent, but a great-grandparent, as long as you can prove that at least your great-grandparent down was legally white, then you can check the box or you, you can say that you are also legally white. What? You can be as dark as this microphone, but if you can prove that your great-grandfather was legally white, meaning today, if I can prove, if I'm as dark as, as midnight or whatever, and I can prove that I'm legally white, then my great-grandchild can say that they're legally white despite, you know, whatever complexion they are and so on and so forth. So That's just ridiculous but that, that just people go- will go th- through all of that just exactly. to be able to check. It just goes to show you, white. like, not only in America, but kind of like going back to the Amara situation that, colorism is real and it's important i mean look at the importance that they will put on being a white latina as opposed to being identified as a black latina or latino latina yeah exactly yeah and you know what i and i'm not gonna lie i was kind of the lines were blurred for me too as exactly what constituted an afro latina so i was ignorant to that because when, at the beginning when they started talking, I did think that it was because, okay, you have a parent that's black and then a parent that may be of Hispanic descent. But basically, um, I was reading a post. Um, do you remember Yaya from of American course, Idol? Of course, I mean, America's Next Time Hall, mm-hmm. American Idol. She basically was talking about how she was treated um, on America's Next Top Model. And she basically described Afro-Latina as a tree with African roots and then Latin branches. And I said, oh... That's now nice. that makes sense. Now I get it. You know, so I was ignorant to that fact because I thought it was okay. You got a black parent, and then um, a parent that you know is Hispanic or Dominican or Cuban or Mexican or what have you. But no, I mean, like when you look at her, clearly you can tell she's of African exactly. descent. You know, but she's Latina, which exactly. a lot of them are because once again, going back to the African diaspora, like more. Africans went to those Caribbean areas and South American areas and they came to America. Exactly. So there's a lot uh, of African descent there. You know, when whether I they to want tell, to accept it or not. When I try to tell people that they're like, No, 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 I'm like, Yeah, yeah. no, nah, the the boats didn't just stop in America. They stopped along the way and, mm-hmm. and after too. So, you know, the slave Atlantic trade is not just from Europe to Africa, from Africa to America, America. like um the United States and back. No, and if you, you know, were as fortunate as Tiffany and I went to the West Atlanta State University, okay. you may have been in a class with a Dr. Bell, and he may have, you know... Just grab uh, my heart. I just grab my heart? I no. That, you know, he may have taught you like he taught me about me. how, you know, that is where the majority of the slaves went to be broken, basically right. to have their... Um, you know, um, identities ripped from them and to be broken down to the point to where they could be more, you know, malleable and, and mm-hmm. more uh, able to be domineered by white slave owners in America. They went to, you know, uh, the Dominican and South America and, you know, those areas to be broken before they were even brought here. Exactly. So, you know. We've come a long way from the paper bag. Um, the brown paper bag the test? The brown paper bag test, but... Colorism is connected um, to racism. I know you were talking about about it earlier, and it's an exhausting conversation because it hurts from, like, the inside out. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, but it's a necessary conversation, and it, it really does all derive from slavery, mm-hmm. like, every last bit of it. So 
let's just go at it like this. I'm going to give a quick history lesson if you'll allow it. Go okay? ahead, girl. We listening. All right. Slaves came to the Americas in 1619, right? True. That ended in 1863. Um, but the Emancipation Proclamation, which was signed on January the 1st in 1863, that was signed by Lincoln. Everybody learned that in school, right? Okay. It was signed by Lincoln, but let's just let's just realize that he didn't really want to do exactly that because people act like Lincoln is just you know this savior. savior. But he said that if I could save the Union without freeing free the one slaves, slave, he said that's that. what I would do. So anyway, carry on. Okay. So, <laughs> but the slaves in Texas did not know about the Emancipation Proclamation being signed that year, right? And the benefactors weren't going to tell tell no. them, um, you they, know, because they they, they, they didn't want to exactly. Um, so they didn't find out until 1865, so, you know, Southern plantation owners were taking advantage of the fact that slaves couldn't read, which, which as a side note, yes. And that girl, you went there. Okay. Oh, so, you going yeah, there? I, I was going to, that's sorry. okay. No, I'm no, sorry. this is a team effort because it matters. Right. So slaves couldn't read, which is why it burns me up when people talk about reading with such disgust. I'm like. Yo, this is why people in Texas were not free for years um, to come. Anyway. Which is why you you know, you know, have such a problem with Christianity because exactly. they use it against you. But why they use it against you? Because you could, we couldn't read. Exactly. We didn't know what they were saying. What was in that book? Exactly. But anyway, go ahead. Because that, that's a whole nother topic. I know. We got if you plans. want me to get on the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get on the Lord right now. Anyway, um, so on June 19th, 1865 right the union soldiers came to what's it called um galveston texas mm -hmm. okay galveston texas and declared the end of the civil war officially and general granger i think his first name was david was the one that came and actually read the decree aloud so that people could actually hear it that you know the the there slaves were to free. be no more slaves in texas so this is like courtney said why we why we celebrate juneteenth for Black people and white people who kind of roll their eyes at the holiday and want to know why we're celebrating it's because it's actually our day. It's actually our Independence Day, legitimately. And if we can celebrate Christopher Columbus Day, we can celebrate Juneteenth. Because the only Christopher I acknowledge is who? Wallace. Wallace. Did you see the thing about the little boy? Who yes. Wrote the, in his journal. And like, she was like, I'm very disappointed in you. He, he was, was like, like, okay. okay. <laughs> I, I love mean, that. so what? I can't uh, His last name is King. I can't remember. King Johnson. Oh, was it for his first name is King? Yeah, I think his first name was King. Okay, well, he wrote in his little journal entry, um, and I wish I had it in front of me so I could read it. But basically, his mama said that the only Christopher that they acknowledge no, is Christopher Wallace. Wallace, and that he he doesn't understand how white people can teach Black history, and he's tired of learning the lies, <laughs> and he appreciates having um. That's gonna be my Christopher kid. Columbus Day. I, trust me, that's gonna be my I kid. truly believe it's gonna be mine too. Because I'm gonna tell, and, and I'm gonna tell the teacher like, don't be sending no Christopher Columbus paperwork home, right? Or no assignments because we gonna put the truth on the paper. Exactly. Um, so I can appreciate that. There was really nothing the teacher could say other than I'm disappointed in you. So he's mm -hmm. like, okay. Um, but anyway, that's the history behind Juneteenth. So based on based on this, um, we're only. 153 years from from blatant the blatant hardship of actual slavery right mm -hmm. so that means if you have people in your family and your family members usually live to see about 79 or 80 years old then you probably have a parent who has a parent or a grandparent who was living during that time i mean just think about that right mm -hmm. okay so now if you're really willing to get down to it in 1965 
that was the ratification of the 13th Amendment, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so for those of you who don't know what the 13th Amendment says, um, I'll basically phrase it like, you can't be a slave unless you know you're convicted of a crime, which is a whole nother show, okay? Because mm-hmm. sti- that's still on the books, exactly. right? Exactly. That's basically why we have all of these for-profit prisons. Exactly. Um, You know, in which basically these companies are paying for... Free labor. That's why they want to, you know, incarcerate for these low-level drug offenses. You know, keeping people in prison. Like, um, you know, the college browders. People can't make bail and they keep you in there. Like, it's just... Because it's free labor. It's it's, it's institutional slavery. Yeah, now we're getting into racism as opposed to colorism. Because, you know, racism is basically the the systemic oppression of marginalized people. People, people, which is why black people can't be racist. Whenever people try to put that reverse racism it's shit not on a y'all, thing. it's not. Don't it's let not anybody possible. say that to you. Black people can be prejudiced, and we can have biases against other people, but we cannot be racist. Exactly, because we are not in the position to oppress anyone systematically or otherwise. Right. Drop so, bomb. Drop a. Oh, you drop bomb. You didn't <laughs> drop mine. Oh man, drop a flex bomb for me. Boom, 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 boom. Bye, Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> Courtney, be gone. <laughs> oh, no. Don't send me away. The so, people love me, too. Yes. Okay, so 65, 1965, right? Ratification, 13th Amendment. Mm-hmm. No more slaves unless you're going to jail. So the Compromise of 77, that's where the, or maybe it was, I'm sorry. I think I said 19, but I meant 18. 1865, okay. Mm-hmm, yeah, 1865 was. I'm sorry, 1865, okay. Um. So the compromise of 1877 was where the federal government government actually pulled the troops out of the South. Mm-hmm. That's when Jim Crow started. Okay, so if you're not familiar with Jim Crow laws, I won't, you know, give you the whole all-out rundown. But um, whites and coloreds, exactly. <laughs> se- se- segregation <laughs> at its worst. Yes. Um, so it wasn't no separate and equal. Mm-mm. It was just separate. It was just separate. Right. Um. So then. Where do we go from Jim Crow? Jim Crow. Jim Crow. <laughs> I'll call him whatever I want to. South Country. She from Sanford, y'all. She said them Jim Crow laws. Jim Crow laws. I'm going to make you eat that one later. <laughs> um, so the Civil Rights Act regarding voter registration didn't show up until 1960. That's 83 years later. Followed by 1964. Um, the Act on Discrimination Based on Race, Color, Gender, mm-hmm. Sex, Um What's the other thing? Nationality? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think they have sexual orientation in there now. Okay. Likely. Mm-hmm. And then the Voter Rights Act in 1965. So ratification of 13th Amendment, 1865, Voter Rights Act, 1965. And then the Fair Housing Act happened in 1968. Okay. Y'all, it's 2018. That is practically 50 years ago mm-hmm. this year. My mom will turn 52 this year. That's no time at all. Mm-mm. So when you think about racism as it affects everything else, including things like colorism, just look at how much time it took us to get to that point. Right. And then we're still fighting. Mm-hmm. And that's why it just, you know, it just kind of burns me up when people say, well, why aren't we, why can't we just, you know, all do this and do that. Look, it's going to take time, you know? Exactly. It takes time, but it we all have to be, number one, we have to be educated. Right. You know, num- or, or even before that, we have to accept, right. you know, that 
this is who we are and you know what do I what are there what things are still lacking that I need to learn about myself in order to move forward we need to be educated and then we need to as we talked about earlier how you said um, on our Instagram where, where the guy posted like what could he do to support us is to call each other out on it right. stop supporting people who perpetuate this negative image of darker skinned people um, you know stop allowing people to perpetuate oh light is right like we have to willingly address these things head on or it's never going to get better it's right. never going to change it's always going to be just swept under the rug and okay and you know a lot of y'all's mamas and daddies and brothers and sisters were darker skinned like how would you feel if somebody willingly just outright treated them a certain way because their skin was darker within their own race right that's crazy to me i just don't get it me too and and to your point it's important to call each other out right that because that is what brotherhood and sisterhood is really about it's not about being passive. It's not about letting you say and do the things that you want to do mm -hmm. um, and just, you know, continuing on in this cycle. It's about calling each other to the carpet and trying to, as a collective, figure out where to go from here. Mm -hmm. And then it's not only, like, with the color. You know, it's like we talked about, like, the hair texture, even features. Yes. Big you know. lips, big nose. Right. But, you know, people are going around paying for big lips now, and it's a thing. A big butt. Yeah. Right. So, and that's a whole nother topic, but I feel I like, know. you know, some people love black features, and don't but, love but black they don't love black people. women. Exactly. You know, because I remember a time where, like, okay, like, say for instance, the movie Baps, that was like a parody of, you know, ghetto fabulous black right, women. Right, right. But now when you look at any young non-black socialite they got the long fingernails rings on every finger bamboo colorful earrings hair. Colorful, colorful hair, hair. you I know what i'm saying like forget. you love black people love black culture but they don't love black people black culture is popping it's just that they have a history of hate for the actual individuals who create it mm -hmm. so then that's where appropriation comes in we're like we like your things just like you know land or anything else we like your things and we want them we just don't we want, want you. you right yeah. and we in, internalize that and then we perpetuate it against yeah. each other well i'm more light than you mm -hmm. so let me take this and it's okay if i do it but you can't do it right and i have a lot of sympathy when i recognize it you know if you can call it out for what it is then for me at least it makes me less angry mm -hmm. and more like i, I want to educate you or i want to be educated enough so that i can educate somebody else so that we can get out of this cycle i'm not so angry now that you're doing it but i want to identify that you actually are coming from a, a place of hurt or you know just something that you've been taught over time lack of lack of knowledge of self exactly you know and it's just a it's just a sad thing that People are grown-ups and still walking around hating themselves right. and hating their shade of, of skin and hair. and I mean, it's just like, it's just, it's sad. Right. It's very, very sad, but you just have to know, like, this stuff has been here for years and years and years. They didn't just wake up like this. Like, someone said something to them. Someone treated them a certain way based on how they were raised, and it just goes on and on and on exactly so we so gotta do better that. we gotta do better yeah when you know better you do better um you got anything else on the subject before we move on um no i don't have anything else on the on the um 
on the subject, just, you know, the extremes that people will go, you know, related to colorism, like Lil' Kim and Sammy Sosa and the skin bleaching. Oh. And, and, you know, that's a big thing in Africa, too, in yeah. parts of the Caribbean, the skin bleaching. And, you know, and then on the flip side, you got people that are lighter skinned doing blackface, like right. Rachel Dolezal and, right. you know, other people. But she's white. That's not even the same it, thing, it, It's right? not, but, I mean, you know, they're doing it. Yeah. And, or tanning. Or you tanning. Know, tanning. Well, um, black people who no, that's not the same. Like when you go to the beach, I mean, there are black people who go to tanning beds to be um, to be darker, darker. You know, right? Yeah, that's it. That's all I got to say on it. You know, just I would just say if you're if you see it, call it out. You know, if you're feeling some type of way because of your skin color, you know, that goes back to taking good mental health of you know good care of your mental health. Talk to someone about it. Work on those issues. Figure out why you feel that way. If there are family members that have put that on you or compared you to other people, stop talking to their ass. All family ain't good family. Mm -hmm. Call them out and then give them your two fingers. Like, peace. Right. If if they're unwilling to accept. Right. Because we got to start with ourselves first. So that's all I have to say on it. All right. That was heavy. Now, what brought you joy this week? Um, One thing that brought me joy this week was... Mary J. Blige and her two Oscar nominations for a book that we're reading in book club called Mudbound. So that brought me joy because as we talked about on a couple episodes ago, Mary J. Blige has been through hell Mm -hmm. just in life with these men and drug addiction and, you know, then, you know, getting with this man and being divorced and him trying to take her for her money. So for her to come, you know, on a win like this and have, you know, a good turnaround to even be nominated for two Oscars. Just gave me joy, so, you know, big shout out to Mary J. Blige. Two things brought me joy. I, I saw a clip of Esther Roll, and she was discussing... Oh, when, Esther Roll. Right. She was discussing um, before Good Times when they brought the show to her. Mm-hmm. And um, the writer, uh, what was his name? I think it's uh, Eric Mont- Monty or something like that. Anyway... When he was writing the script and every week they would have a meeting and they kept bringing him notes saying you need to get rid of the father. Like a strong black father figure is not funny in a sitcom. And he refused. And then Esther Roll, they brought the script to her and she was willing to do it. She was like, but you got to keep the dad or she was going to turn down the role. And so at the time, the show wasn't called Good Times. It was something else. Um, I think it was just called The Black Family before Mm. it moved into Good Times. But the fact that she was willing to put her finances and put her role at risk to make sure. And she talked about, she was like, you know, it was really important. I'm the one who brought the first full-on black family, like the first black husband to TV. Because she didn't want that perpetuated in television like black kids don't have black fathers. Mm-hmm. So, which is what, Which is exactly what they were trying to keep up. Exactly. Which is, well, I don't know if that's why they had him killed off the show, but, um, you know, it ended shortly after that. So I'll do some research and find out. The other thing is Marseille Martin. Do you know um, who she is? She's Diane. Marseille, yes. So she's Diane on um, Mm Blackish. Amazing little girl. So she's She's growing up so quick. I know. She's an NAACP Image Award Mm -hmm. um, winner, too. But I read this week that she is executive producing and starring in her own movie. So oh, I thought that was really good. Dope. I love Black Marcia. Girl Magic. I just love finals. that whole. I just love Blackish. This is probably the one of the best shows on TV right now. I love Blackish. So shout out to Marsa and the entire cast of Blackish. I hope everything gets work, worked out with their 
renegotiations and mm-hmm. you know their contracts and stuff for the next season so we can keep seeing you know that strong representation of a black family on tv exactly so some things that we don't want you guys to forget february is the month for candidate filing so if you're in charlotte mecklenburg you can go to mecnc.gov that's m-e-c-k-n-c.gov and you can check out the fees and the criterion to run um for office that starts on February the 12th. Just want to give you a heads up at noon. And then it ends on February the 28th at noon. So you have a short window if you're trying to run for state representative or mm-hmm. senator or clerk of superior court or sheriff. If you want to run for soil and water, that starts in July. If you want to run for judge, that begin, uh, superior court judge, that begins in June. But if you are interested and you you meet the criterion and you're listening to this show, then those are your dates. Also, at Betty's Ford Road Regional, Betty's Ford Road Regional, Betty's Ford. Okay, say it with me, Betty's Ford. Ford. Good job. Give you a knuckle sandwich. (laughs) Um, Betty's Ford Road Regional Library is hosting PBS's Tell Them We Are Rising, the film that's documenting the pivotal role that HBCUs played in American history. And the screening is going to be on February the 11th at 2 p.m. That's a Sunday. And it's being sponsored by our alma mater's um, Charlotte chapter, um, alumni chapter, along with WTBI. Okay. So, if you're interested and you want to register to be a part of that screening, you can either call 704-416-3000 or you can visit the website. So, it's www.cm for Charlotte Mecklenburg, cmlibrary.org and click the purple header at the top um, in the top right-hand corner and just register yourself for the film. I've already done so today. I will be there um Courtney will Courtney B will be there. <laughs> Courtney be there. And um I hope to see you there too. You got anything you don't want the people to forget? Um once again, just be mindful that if you have not registered to vote, which anyone that's listening to this should have registered to vote, mm-hmm. right? If you have not registered to vote, make sure that you are and that um your driver's license and your voter ID everything matches up because we have Midterm elections this year, and I'm going to say it whenever I can. November 2018, we have to go out and vote in midterms to try to take back the Congress. Very important. You know, don't complain about Trump if you're not willing to um, do what you can to stop the bullshit that he is putting forward. So just remember that. November 2018, make sure you register to vote before that and go out and vote. Exactly. As a call to action, we would like to know if you guys have ever had any experiences with colorism on either side. Or just, you know, have some thoughts on colorism, please share them with us. You know, you can follow us on Instagram at Culture Shock Podcast. Um, we are on SoundCloud and iTunes. Please leave us a review on iTunes if you can. And we're also on Facebook and Twitter as Culture Shock Podcast. So, what is your good word for the good people, Courtney B? Um, My good word for the good people is to let it go. L- I G what's meant for you is going to be for you regardless of who comes and goes if they go let them go I don't believe in that if they if they um, go and they come back to you you know girl let it go if they want to go let them go 
if the job don't want you, let it go. Find another one. If your friends don't want to be your friends, let them go because they weren't never your friends to begin with. Whatever it is that's holding you back, whatever it is that you're fearful of, let it go. That's my word for the people. You definitely have to make room for better. And you can't do that if you're holding on to the old. You really can't. You can't do it if you're holding on to the old or if you're holding on to fuck boys. Well, but you didn't hear that from me. It's a whole nother subject. <laughs> Y'all know I be tripping. I've okay, Courtney there. be tripping. I've been there. What's your good word for the good people? So, just going back to colorism, I guess. Colorism is merely another way to divide a community that is already hurting and that needs to heal and to have a lot of cohesiveness for us to move forward mm-hmm. um, as a unit. We don't have room for the divisiveness. And I just want to make sure that you guys understand that you need to understand where each other is coming from. That's not going to happen without dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and where the saying goes, and I've said it before, I think already on the show, is when you know better, you do better. So, you know, we might need to stop with the memes and stop with the gifs or gifs, depending on how you pronounce it, that perpetuate this and, and love up on each other. That's yeah, all. because we can't expect for others to treat us how we deserve to be treated if we're not treating ourselves that way. Right. No matter how much we do deserve it. Right. It's important to show people how we want to be treated. And teach people how to treat you. That's right. That was a good That's word. That's what my grandma said. That's right. Well, grandma, grandmas be knowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, guys, we love you so much. You know, we'll um, talk to you next Tuesday. Until then, I hope you're preparing for Black Panther. If you haven't already Yay! purchased your tickets, you might need to go and do that. And um, it's going to be sold out. Oh, psh. every day it's going to be sold out, especially that first weekend. Yeah, if you sold don't, out. If you don't get your tickets in advance, you might either need to take the day off so you can watch it at a morning matinee. Or you might not see it until the following week at all. So I had somebody like DM me like, "What should I wear to see it?" Like it's that serious. Okay, so if we can go there right quick, and then I promise we'll let y'all go. <laughs> I really want to go like several times. I wanted to go at least three times. I wanted mm-hmm. to wear like Black Panther, like a Wakanda shirt mm-hmm. to one. I wanted to wear um, to dress up in costume mm-hmm. for another one. And then I wanted to dress like I was on the red carpet. You told me that. You were going to wear your Grammy gown to the movies. I just want to, like, have an Angela Davis fro, and I want to wear all black to one. Uh Then I want to wear a dashiki to another one. And then I want to take my – I want to get a Black Panther chair and just sit it in there. You think they'll let me? Hey, did you – no. Why not? It is Black Panther. I want to be sitting there – like Huey Newton. No. I can't sit in a chair. I mean, I would love to see that. And maybe if we were going to like a specialized screening, but <laughs> if you want to do that, you might just need to bring a belt, a Black Panther booster seat and sit in your booster. regular. I'm just. No, Are you try- she's no. trying to say I'm sure. Are you trying to clown me? I mean, no, but even a Black if I Panther was. A Black Panther booster seat? You tried it. I mean, I was just you trying to make it. you pay for what you said earlier. <laughs> Don't mind us, you guys. We'll see you next week. I'm a girl named Tiffany. And I'm Courtney B. And we out. We out, bitch. Ha, 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 ha.